0: So we are starting a new series today, um, if you haven't heard. Um, We are starting the story and um, are setting out on this journey and are going to spend some time this morning really talking through a little bit of a big picture of what it is that we're trying to accomplish through this new series. My, My grandfather had a tradition of building things. He, he was a woodworker and had lots of different projects that he would do. Um, but one of the great things that he would build was a, a great chest as a graduation gift for each of his grandkids. And so as, as we would graduate from high school, we would receive one of these chests that had been custom crafted and designed just for us and our personality and, and our likes and our interests. Um, It says a lot about me and and my family that all of my younger cousins got gun chests, um, and I did not. Um, But my chest was was this great piece that we still have in our living room, and and we move it from living room to living room that we we live in. And there's a lock on the front of this chest. And um, in our move this last year, we have lost the key to this chest. And so it has sat there in our living room unopened for a year. And so we were doing baby pictures this last week with Annabeth. Annabeth is here, by the way. Say hi, Annabeth. Um, So we, we were doing baby pictures, and I thought, I need my baby blanket as a prop for one of these pictures. Uh, my, My baby blanket was made by my granny Rose, and Annabeth has the middle name Rose, and we need a picture with this baby blanket. Where is this baby blanket? This baby blanket is in that chest. Okay, so we've got to get into this chest. Well, in the genius of my grandfather, and I happen to actually remember this, he had a hidden key mounted underneath the bottom of this chest for just such an occasion as this. Um, but he nailed it in with these big nails. So I had this chest flipped over upside down with a crowbar trying to get this piece of wood off of the bottom of this chest to get to the spare key. And I, I get to the spare key, I open up this chest, and here is a chest full of my childhood treasures. My baby blanket, my little t-shirt that I wore to kindergarten, all my dumb little ribbons that I won over the years, and some things that have absolutely no value anymore. And I'm like, why did I keep that? Um, Memorabilia from our wedding, different things like that have been placed in this chest over the years. I think we all have something like that, where we, we have some sort of container, some sort of box, some sort of chest that we put treasures in. But when it stays locked and it stays closed, those treasures really have absolutely no value. For the last year, I have not enjoyed those treasures because they have been locked away unopened. And really, even prior to that, we opened that chest so little, I don't think Claire has ever even seen the inside of this chest. She was just fascinated by, by all of this stuff that I pulled out. And so I have a chest of treasures, but I don't open it up. I don't look at it. I don't enjoy it. I don't share it with others. And for many of us, I think we see the Bible as such a chest. That we see it as as a great treasure if it will be opened. But too often it stays locked up. It stays closed. It stays on the shelf. 88% of households in America have a Bible. 88% have a Bible. That seems like an incredible majority of people that would have one of these somewhere in their house sitting on a shelf. But only 37% of the people actually read it at least once a week. And so there is this great treasure that is locked up in here. And as we enter into the story, as we go through this, what we're doing is we're trying to to get the key and open it up and unlock it and discover the treasures that are on the inside. As we head out into this journey, we're, we're looking for ways to discover Scripture in a new and fresh way. And that's why we are doing the story. It's to get that book off of the shelf or maybe off of the nightstand where wishful thinking says that we'll read it once a night as we go to bed and we take it out and we're going to open it and we're going to journey through it together. Many of us have attempted reading plans over the years where we we try to get through the Bible in a year and some of us successfully make it through that, but many of us get to Leviticus and we quit. (laughs) I've done that more often than not. You get to this part where it's like, man, this is hard, this is dark, this is ugly, this is not fun to read. And it's hard to get past that, and we never get to the good news at the ends. There are so many novels for me that have been that way, where I start and I kind of get into the first few chapters, and and then I just kind of get busy with something else. And I have all these partially read books that are left behind. And so, as a group, we are going to go through this story. The story of Scripture, the story of God, and journey through it together. Because as as a group together, we can stand together and hold each other accountable and and work through this and and get through the tough spots and get through the dry spots and get to the exciting spots together. As we pull through and, and find out how this book applies to our lives. So, what is the story? I've been describing it for the last several weeks, but, but want to, to clarify as we think of what the story is. As, as you look at this book that's branded in a certain way with, with certain markings on it and certain publishers on it and certain authors on it, it can be confusing as to what it really is. But what it is, is the text of the Bible. It uses the NIV text. It uses a portion of it. It uses about two-thirds of it and organizes it in a chronological way through 31 chapters. And in those 31 chapters, we have the text of the Bible. We have the NIV text. But the chapter numbers and the verse numbers are removed from it to make it a little bit easier to read through. It makes it more like we're reading through a, a novel or a story of some sort. Because you've got a chap- one chapter number and you go through the whole thing uninterrupted. With breaks between these weird little numbers going on there. For example, in chapter one that we'll be reading this week for next week, we have Genesis chapters one through eight. All of that will be what we read for chapter one. And so we'll be going through those first eight chapters together this week. But then you'll also come to spots where you're reading through, and if you've, if you've been very if you've read a lot of, of the scripture, there may be par- parts where you find a familiar spot, and then all of a sudden it gets not so familiar, and something else kind of jumps in, and you're like, hey, that's not part of that story. And there's parts where the editors make choice to, to piece things together from different parts of Scripture to get more into a chronological story. And so you will find the Psalms scattered out through the, the stories of David. David. You will find, for example, when we're reading about Abraham, we get to the sacrifice of Isaac, and, and suddenly we take a little bit of a detour and pull in from Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews talks about what it means as, as Abraham sacrificing Isaac as, as an example of Jesus and his sacrifice. And so, so it will pull in those things to give us a little bit better of a picture of how Scripture is talking about this big story. And so it is the text of the Bible, but it may be cut and pasted a little bit differently. The reading guides that you have have a list of all the verses that are all the chapters and, of and books that are used in each of the chapters that we'll be reading, so you can kind of follow along and see that we're in cha- Genesis chapters 1 through 8 this week. And you can see that next week we'll be in Genesis 12 through 13, 15 through 17, 21 through 22, 32 through 33 in chapter 35. And so it's gonna jump around a little bit, but it's giving us the big picture of what's going on through the narrative of Scripture. There's also some spots where, where you'll see italics, and you'll see paragraphs that are all in italics. And these are a few spots where the editors are actually inserting their own words as kind of transition statements between paragraphs or between stories. And so when you get to those italic spots, those are not Scripture. Those are the author speaking into the story as, and creating transitions to help it run a little bit smoother. But I want us to talk a little bit about how to get the most out of the story. We're, we're putting a lot of time into this. We've spent a lot of money on this and trying to get the books and, and all the resources. We're doing this in our small groups, and, and we want to make sure we maximize all of that investment, that we're getting the most out of this. And so to get the most out of, out of this... We really need to read. Simple enough, right? Follow along. Make sure you get one of the books. Get it on your Kindle. Get it on your Nook. Get the hard copy and read along. There's a reading schedule. It's very manageable. It's a very manageable amount of reading. And so to get the most out of this, read in preparation for the next Sunday. So this week when we leave here, go this week and read chapter one of the story because that's what we'll be talking about next week and in this time in our gathering and it to be what we'll be talking about in our small groups as well. We've distributed books to every family and if you're a guest in this place and are joining us just today, we want you to go pick one of these up as, as our gift to you. And we'll have these at the table through, throughout the duration of this series for our guests to pick one up. So anybody can jump in at any time and participate in what's going on here. So encourage people, if you are inviting them, to to get one of these books and join us in this journey together. We also want to encourage you to make it a family event as you read. We have all the age-appropriate books. We have preschool books and early elementary, late elementary, and teen books. And so make it a family opportunity to read together and go through this together. It's a great opportunity to, be a fan, to have a family devotional, and all of us are staying on the same page. Chapter one for the kids is chapter one for the adults. They have 31 chapters just like we do. And so you'll be able to stay on track together throughout the course of the series. The second thing to get the most out of this would be to write. Write. Use your book, underline, mark, highlight, write in the margins get a journal and and write through as you are are reflecting on this and and really reflect on two questions. The first question is, what is God saying to me? When I read this text and when I go through this chapter, what is God saying to me? Write it out in the margins or or write it in a journal. But then just as important as that question is this question of what am I going to do about it? take action. What are next steps to actually apply what God is saying to me? Because I think too often we get into Bible study and we, we get a lot of head knowledge and we get new understanding and it, and it says, oh, there's this really cool thing that we read about. But we don't take it to an application level where it's actually doing something to bring about transformation in our lives. Reading the Bible should not be about gathering information. Reading the Bible is about transformation. We are transformed by what we read when we apply the lessons and what God is speaking and saying to us. So what is God saying? What am I going to do about it? And the third is attend. We actually have to show up and participate in this and attend in, in a consistent way. That, that as we gather together every Sunday and continue on this story, your absence gives you, it leaves you out of a certain segment of what we're talking about. And so consistent participation and showing up and and being a part of this journey over the next 31 weeks. I want to challenge you to do that. That we come together not just for what we receive, but also for what we give as we encourage one another and participate. Worship this morning was so wonderful because we have a full room and everybody's energized and, and excited to be here. And so when you're not here, the rest of us miss out on the encouragement that you bring in being here. Each Sunday, we're going to take a chapter. So next Sunday, read chapter 1, and we'll talk about chapter 1 in in our gathering next week. And then the next week, we'll read chapter 2, and then we'll gather together on Sunday and and talk about chapter 2. So to get the most out of this, we need to show up every week to, to be able to participate in that. The fourth thing is to speak. We need to speak. We, we have to process this. To sit in a pew and listen to a sermon is okay. To do the reading and, and, and being prepared ahead of time, that's okay. But to really get the most out of this, we need to be processing this with others. We need to be sharing this with others in and, and dialogue about what we're hearing and what we're learning and, and new insights and the challenges that we're facing through this study. And so I want to encourage everybody to participate in one of the small groups that we have, which would be a great opportunity for you to come and share what it is God is saying to you through this time. Join a group and, and be able to process and, and speak to one another and encourage one another. God is able to speak to us through other people. And so God can speak through each and every one of you. If you will, show up to a small group and, and be used by him to speak into others' lives. He has something to say to you and he has something to say through you. And so make small groups a priority. There's a, a brochure in the foyer with small groups that are available. You can contact one of those small group leaders and, and jump into that group. I know we've got um, a few groups um, that, that are looking for members. Jeff, has got, Jeff and Susan have a new group in Corrales. They'd love for you to join them if you're over in that, that neck of the woods. Um, Phil and Molly have a group that's going to be up uh, north of Paseo, and so they'd love for you to join them if you're up in that area. Um, Several other groups that are going on. Make sure you find one of those groups that works for you so you can speak and you can dialogue about what is going on as you read through this text. So what will the story do for us? Why are we doing all this? There's several things that the story will bring. This is, this is my second time to go through this. Our previous church was going through the story when I was the small groups minister, and, and so I was coordinating all the curriculum and all the materials and, and leading a small group. And it was just a great opportunity for us to really dive into Scripture. And it was such a meaningful experience and such a, an incredible experience for us that, that I wanted to get that here as well. And so the first thing that the story is going to do for us is it's going to help us read more of the Bible than many of us ever have. Many of us try those read through the Bible in a year things, and we get to Leviticus, and that's as far as we get. Or maybe we just focus on the New Testament, or, or we, we just kind of have a devotional guide where we have little verses along the way. And many of us haven't gotten into really reading through the, the entire narrative and seeing from beginning to end how everything fits together. And so this provides us an opportunity to read through more of the story. You know, the, the best-selling form of literature is fiction. Um, you go into to bookstores, and, and and the amount of fiction that is sold is just staggering. And I think we're drawn to these stories because they are stories. There's a part of us that, that loves to, to get drawn into a story, into a narrative, into seeing how the characters and the plot all develop together. We're drawn to it. It touches our heart in some way, and and we engage in it. A good story you can't put down. You've got to keep reading until you're done with it. Jesus himself used stories to help communicate the gospel. We call them parables, but they were essentially stories where Jesus has some sort of character that we can relate to, some sort of conflict, and and we come in and we read through these stories. At the end of his Sermon on the Mount, we've we've talked about this before in our Sermon on the Mount series, at the end he he gives us this great picture of this wise and foolish man and, and the houses that they built. He says this in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash." What great imagery that brings. We have a great story, song that goes with it. I won't make you stand and sing it this time. But we've got this, this imagery that Jesus gives us that gives us a message. And this particular story is so applicable to us entering into the story because he says the, the wise man is one who, who takes these words and doesn't just study them and analyze them and know the Greek and know the different, the different textual things, but they actually take the stories and they apply them. They put them into practice. It changes our lives. Jesus uses stories, and he uses this story to remind us of the importance of getting into the word and being challenged by the word and putting it into practice. When we read scripture as one continuous story, instead of a series of unrelated events, unrelated verses or episodes, we see it come to life, we're drawn into it, and we see a God who is seeking to bring restoration We see the story of a God who is pursuing us with everything. He's throwing everything at us in pursuit of us, all in the sake of restoration. And so when we see that overarching theme and we see how the story progresses and we're not focused on chapters and verses, we're able to see what God is up to and the change that he is trying to bring. The Bible tells us stories. It tells us true stories And in those series of stories, we find an overarching theme, an overarching story that we're drawn into. The second thing that we get out of this is it will help us read more of the Bible in context. Context is so important as we read through Scripture. It's easy to to pull out verses from here and a verse from here and a verse from there and sew them all together to make a point that that, that we're trying to make. And we take those verses out of context. This is called proof texting. It reminds me of a story that I heard of a pastor who went on a visit to one of the older widows of the church. And he knocked on the door and she did not answer. He saw her car in the driveway and knew she was home. And he knocked and knocked, but but no answer. So he left his card on the door with just a a verse on it. It was Revelation 3.20. And so she got this card and looked it up, and it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So he was being kind of clever. Preachers are kind of clever that way and cheesy. And so the following Sunday, he walks out from church and goes out to his car, and there's a card on his windshield. And it has Genesis 3-7 on it. And so he goes and looks it up, and it says, I heard you, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. (laughs) Probably not how those verses were intended to be used. (laughs) And that's a funny use of verses, but there are very serious abuses to that as well. Even in our heritage and and really in the history of Christianity, there have been times where, where verses have been pulled out of context and used to abuse Verses that have been pieced together to make a statement about things. And sometimes when we see the text of the Bible in these chapters and verses, it's easy for us to pick out just a verse or just a chapter to make a statement about what we want it to be. But when we read through the Bible in its entirety, and when we read through as one continuous story, we have the opportunity to see how these things are formed into context. We see what happens before, we see what happens after, and and have a a greater picture as to what God is telling us through these. The third is it's going to help us discern truth in the midst of a culture that doesn't. Helps us discern the truth in the midst of what we hear today. Culture is telling us a lot of truth. Or even worse, they say we can have whatever truth we want. And you can have a truth, and you can have a truth, and you can have a truth. But as we read through Scripture, we understand what the real truth is. Stephen Colbert is a TV personality who is a newsman. And he has this phrase called truthiness. He calls it truthiness, where it's something that sounds true, it looks true, and we kind of think it's true. But when we really get down to it, it really isn't true. And there's a lot of that going on around us. There is a a, a truthiness that is attributed to God. Things that we think of about God that really are not in Scripture. It sounds true and it makes us feel good, but it really isn't true. Phrases like, God just wants me to be happy. Not going to find that. God helps those who help themselves. Not going to find that. And so there are things that we believe about God, but because we are not in the Word, we do not know that they're false. Too often we build our lives around this truthiness. Things that we believe because we've just always thought that, or our parents thought that, or or somebody in a small group or Bible study said this is what they think, and and we kind of hold to that. We don't see the truth of Scripture. And so we turn to Scripture to see what God is really saying, what he's really doing. Her heard a story about a, a little girl who ha, is not yet able to read, but she wants so badly to prove to people that she can read like her big sister. And so she takes out the Bible and, and starts going through the lines of the Bible and says, Jesus said... Little pig, little pig, let me in. It's not there. But we do that. There are things that we think that are in there that are not. And so let's read the things that are. The fourth thing is it's going to help us connect the dots between the individual stories of the Bible and the big story of the Bible. So lots of different little stories in here but there's this bigger story that we, that we see. And so instead of just focusing in on, on a little story, we're gonna be looking at all of the stories. One of the editors of the story, Randy Frazee, helps us think of it this way. Think about going to a museum of some sort. Uh, maybe it's um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art or some, some large museum. Maybe it's the Louvre in Paris. And you would see something like this when you go down the halls. Long hallways with lots and lots of paintings on them. And those paintings may be something like the Mona Lisa. You've got one painting that has such an incredible story behind it. And there's this intrigue as you, you look into our eyes and wonder the story about where she was and what she was doing that day. Why would she be getting this portrait done? A painting that is seemingly just a a, a portrait of a random woman is worth $700 million. But a museum is full of these paintings and each one has its own story. But you go from one painting, like the Mona Lisa, that one has a story, and you go to another painting, and that has another story, and another one, and that has another story, and they're completely disconnected. You can go from a portrait, to a landscape, to some weird modernist thing, and they're all completely unrelated. But then you go somewhere like the Sistine Chapel, and you look up at the, at the ceiling of this chapel, and you have all of these. You can't see it well up there because there's so much there. But they're all related. It's all the story of Scripture. And one painting relates to the next and relates to the next, and it's a grand mural of all the paintings combined together. And the Bible is more like that. The Bible is more like a mural than it is a museum with, with individual standalone pictures the Bible is a series of stories that, that may seem, when you look at them, to be isolated, but when you look at the whole narrative, they're all connected. There's something going on here. God is trying to tell us something. It's more than a museum of thousands of unrelated stories, and it is more of a mural. Jesus takes this mural approach, when, and he connects it to one big story, After he's raised from the dead in Luke, he's traveling along a road, the road to Emmaus, and encounters these these people walking along the road who are so discouraged because Jesus is is dead. And they don't recognize Jesus as they walk along. And this is what Luke says in, in chapter 24, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus ties all of Scripture, the beginning of Moses and the prophets, and and says all of this is explaining the the high point of the story. The climax of the story is Jesus, and Jesus points that out to us. Or in John chapter 5, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you possess eternal life. These are the very Scriptures testifying about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is critical of the religious establishment because they approach Scripture for information. They approach Scripture for knowledge. They approach Scripture for facts. And they do not approach Scripture to find the life that comes through Jesus. Our movement, our restoration movement, has been so guilty of that. I grew up doing Bible Bowl, where you would learn the facts, and you would memorize the facts. I competed in this building as a kid in Bible Bowl. And knowing the facts is good, knowing the text is good, but when it stops there, When I grow up knowing the facts, but I do not know the gospel of Jesus, something is wrong. And so as we approach Scripture, we are not approaching this as some sort of intellectual pursuit of more facts. Most of us have been doing that way too long. We know the facts. We are approaching Scripture as an opportunity for transformation. We are encountering the Jesus who brings new life. That is why we read Scripture. We are are searching and we are pursuing a Jesus who brings life. The fifth thing is it helps us connect the dots between the upper story of God's perspective and the purposes of the lower story of our lives. If you go through the small group experience, they're going to be talking a lot about this, about the upper story and the lower story. The upper story is what we read in scripture. The upper story is the overarching theme. And the lower story is kind of our day-to-day experiences. The things that we see because, because we have blinders on and this is, this is what our experience is. And so we've got the lower story of our experience and then we have the upper story of, of God's purposes. And being able to connect the dots between those two things are so critical. Because when I am in a a spot of of crisis, when I am in a spot of discouragement, when I am in a spot of grief, when I am in a spot of unemployment, when I am in a spot of whatever it is that is in your day-to-day life, I have to look at the overarching big story of Jesus. I have to be able to see that, that upper story to find hope, to find encouragement, to find strength. And so if we do not have that upper story, we cannot connect that to our day-to-day experiences. And if the upper story does not connect to our day-to-day experiences, we are wasting our time, go home and do something else. Because God is speaking for us today. This is not just an ancient document that we are trying to learn intellectually. This is a living, breathing document that transforms our lives. And that's why we approach it. In her book, Amazing Grace, oh no, I'm going to do Romans 15 first, sorry. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. It's written in the past and it's written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We read these stories so that we find hope we find strength, we find encouragement in our in our day-to-day lives. In her book, Amazing Grace, the writer and poet Kathleen Norris tells the story about her uh, about she and her husband visiting a man named Arlo, a rugged, self-made man who is facing terminal cancer. During their visit with Arlo, they he started talking about his grandfather. His grandfather was a very sincere, devout Christian, and, and the grandfather gave Arlo and his wife a Bible, a beautiful, expensive, leather-bound Bible with, with their names engraved on, it, and gave this to them as, as a wedding gift. And often the grandfather would ask, Do you like the Bible? Said, yes, yes, we, we like the Bible. We sent you a thank you note. We keep telling you thank you, and, and on and on. Every time the grandfather would see him, did you, do you like the Bible? Yes, yes, we, we like the Bible. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Okay, grandfather. And so finally Arlo grew curious enough about the Bible. He said the joke was on him. Because as he opened it up, there was a $20 bill at Genesis. And then he began to read... And there was a 20 bill, $20 bill at Exodus and a $20 bill at Leviticus. And at the start of every single one of those books, he found this $20 bill. And so now he knew why his grandfather had asked, how's the Bible? He had not opened it. And if he had not opened it, he would have never found that treasure he would not have found that $1,300 that was in its pages. But we opened it up for something so much more valuable than the $1,300. We opened it up for something that money cannot buy. We open it up to find life and to be transformed. So it's time for us to open up. It's time for us to to open up that treasure chest and and pull out the treasures and share those treasures and enjoy those treasures and and discover things that we've forgotten about and discover things that we've never seen before. We will find things that are new. We will find things that we have known, but we will see in a fresh and new way. And so it is time for us to dive in and, and jump into this going through the story. This is so much more than just a campaign or or something with matching logos or graphics. This is about us diving into the treasure of the Word of God and being transformed through that process. Let's be standing. We are a family on a journey together. It is our hope that we are a place that is, is making disciples of Jesus who love God and love others. And we do that by living life together and, and journeying together and, and standing with one another. And so every week we have a time of prayer where we can come forward, we can pray with one another in the pews, we can go to the back and we can pray with one of our shepherds, pray with each other. This is a time for us to, to, to be together because as, as a community, we are transformed and changed. So if you have anything on your heart, anything that you want to respond to, if, if you want to respond to the call of Jesus and be baptized, we would love to join with you in that this morning. What a celebration that would be. Um, But maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you have not heard any of these words because you are so preoccupied with the junk that's going on in your life, and you just need to process that with somebody. We want to do that with you as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for, for your word and the life that we find in it. God, we stand as a community together. We challenge one another. We encourage one another. We lift one another up. And God, as we enter into this process of of digging into your word, I pray that you will bless us and that we will be transformed by your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.